0: morning, everybody. I'm really excited today. <laughs> I'm really excited. You see, next Sunday we have uh, a new youth pastor that's coming, and he's going to um, candidate here. That's exciting. Last week we said thank you to Steph, and I've worked with, with Steph a little bit over the, the years with the youth, and I could see her love for the youth. So this morning... I'm preaching to the youth. I am preaching to the youth. My name is Daryl, and about a couple of decades ago, I used to work with the youth here in the church. And this morning, I'm excited because of that. I'm preaching to the youth. Let's pray. Father, for your glory, that we may look into your word, and see the truth, and know what the truth is, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to live the truth. Dear God, that you would open our eyes this morning to the truth contained in your word for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. That's a great picture. When I worked with the youth, this was the illustration that I used, I think, the most, that that when, when we talked about the subjects that we talked. And the reason I love youth, the reason I have a passion for youth is because they, as well as the kids, you, you kids and youth and young people are on the front lines of making choices and decisions in your life that are going to guide you in which way you will go for the rest of your life. You can become who you are, will become, or you can change the world by making decisions as you were young. This morning, I would like to look at a couple of brothers who had a fork in the road of a decision that they had to make, and that's in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to talk about Cain and Abel this morning. You can turn to Genesis chapter 4 if you like. But really quickly, let's set the table here for these two lads and what they had going on in their life. Genesis chapter 1, and I've always said that the first three chapters in Genesis reveals so much detail and theology of how we should live, who we are, where we came from, and where we are going. Genesis 1, God, God Almighty, the Almighty God creates the heavens and the earth, including man. Genesis chapter 2, it focuses in on God's creating man as one flesh, but God, in his infinite wisdom, sees that it's not good for man to be alone, so he divides that flesh into two, a man and a woman. And it's for this reason that a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and those two will once again become one flesh. Genesis chapter 2 reveals the communion that was had between man and God. Genesis chapter 3 is where the first fork in the road comes along. Where God says, in the Garden of Eden, he says, you could eat from every tree in the garden, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat it. For the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. Adam and Eve were duped into tasting that fruit, and what happened then was a separation, that communion that they once had with God, man and woman, once had with God, was gone. But at the end of Genesis chapter 3, God communicates with both Adam and Eve something that is going to happen in the future. He says to Eve, your seed will crush the serpent's head. Your seed will be responsible for mending the bridge or bridging the gap between me and you. And it's in that context that we come to Genesis chapter 4. And let's read together Genesis chapter 4. Just a few verses here. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. For Abel and for Cain, there is a fork in the road. Now that you are in a state of separation from God, what are you going to do about it? I can't help as I read this passage, and you know, every time Pastor Scott asks me to preach, um, I, I get into a passage, and I just goes deeper and deeper, and the more you study, the, the vaster it grows And so I've had to scale everything down here just to try and get everything in. But let's look at this conversation and these two guys here for a minute. I want to talk about Abel first. Abel, somehow, in this garden, uh, in talking with his parents, in possibly communicating with God, he is told or he figures out that somehow from the seed of Eve is going to come shall we say, a savior, somebody who will crush that serpent's head. And Abel spends time paying attention to that which is good and that which is right. And when it comes time to make an offering to God, he takes some fat portions from some of his flock and he offers it to God. Now what he does is he pays attention in the course of his life, young people, to that which is right in God's eyes, to that which is right and what God wants him to do. Now let's have a look at Scripture and what Scripture says about Abel. In Matthew 23, 35, Jesus talks about Abel, and he refers to him as righteous Abel. In other words, that which he did, he paid attention to what God said was right, and he followed that direction. He took that fork in the road and he said, I am going to go in the direction that God says is the right way to go. Luke 11.50, I want to read this for you too, Luke 11.50. Luke 11.50 says this, Jesus is saying this words to the Pharisees, therefore this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that have been shed from the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel, the blood of Zechariah. Jesus refers to Abel in the same sentence as the prophets. In other words, that act, that what seems to be so simple, Abel paying attention to that which is right, what God wants. Listening to God, that was the act of what a prophet would do, and that's what Jesus says. He's in the same conversation, the same sentence, as a prophet. Let's look at Hebrews 11. One other passage in the New Testament that refers to Abel. Hebrews 11, chapter 4. By faith, Abel offered offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did, by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And this is the key to me. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. This means that to you and me, what Abel did is as relevant as it gets. As a young man, in a, in, in a, in, in, when there's a handful of people around, He is looking. He is listening to that which God says is the right thing to do and the right way to go. And he chooses it. Let's look at his brother, Cain. Cain has a little bit of a different philosophy here. Cain chooses to do something. Let me read this again here Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. When I see this, I struggle to find out what's wrong with that. What is wrong with taking some of that which you have done and and presenting it to the Lord? And in fact, I think it's not actually a bad thing to do in life. You dedicate and commit that which you do to the Lord. Not a bad thing. But in this case, he was not listening. And I want to show you another place in Scripture. And sorry, I, I'm not, we don't have time to, to turn there. But if I was to say to you, and the men suggested to the king, Sir, why don't we take these sheep and sacrifice them to the Lord? Doesn't that sound like a good thing? But what if the king wasn't listening to God through the prophet Samuel? And God said to Samuel, Tell Saul to destroy all of the livestock. I don't want it. And Samuel goes, sorry, Saul goes to do that and to to slaughter all of these sheep that God did not want. And some of the men start talking and says, why don't we take these sheep and sacrifice them to God? If, if that's all you read, it doesn't sound like a bad thing. But you haven't researched or listened to what is right in God's sight. That particular group of sheep, God was not interested in. Samuel says to Saul, what is this bleating of sheep I hear? you were supposed to destroy all the sheep. But the men came to me, says Saul, and said, why don't we sacrifice them to God? That is not what God said is right. Now I want to show you carefully or try and portray what Cain does here. Cain chose to put forth his own interpretation of what he thought might be good. He's going to trump or override what God says is right and try to say, God, why don't we do it this way? Maybe he thinks in his mind that I am the firstborn, I am the seed that God talked about, so I have to come up with a way whereby I can save the world, or whatever he's thinking. The point is, he disregards that which God says is the right way, and he tries to make up his own way that appears to be good. Let's see what scripture has to say about Cain. Uh, again, let's turn there a little bit. Uh, Jude chapter, or Jude, sorry, there's no chapter. The book of Jude. Pastor Aaron spoke on this about a year ago, something like that, and my ears were like, like this because it's true. In, in Jude, Jude describes a group of men who are only interested in what their animal instinct lusts can give them. Jude describes this. And in Jude 11, it says, "'Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain.'" Cain is seeking his own glory here. He's seeking a way where he can decide, "'God, I know you've said this, we should do this, but I'm going to present you an alternative.'" As I read and I study this, I get the sense that is that going on in our world or what? We have the way that God has said is right, this is right, and the canes in the world or the world itself says, wait a minute, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to tweak it and do this because this seems good or this seems better. Let's get into what God says to Cain. There's so much information here. In verse 6 of Genesis chapter 4, Then the Lord God said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He says it in the form of a question. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He says it in a question because I believe they've talked about this before. If, if they have never would have said anything, and this was going to be a learning experience, God to me would have said, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. But he puts it right back in Cain's court and says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In other words, Cain, I've been trying to explain to you over these years that in order for something to be saved, there needs to be a sacrifice for it. And he's trying to set up the idea of blood must be shed for the forgiveness. Of these sins that they have brought upon themselves. He says, have, we've, we've, we've chatted about this before. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Abel did what was right. And God, the, the, the implication here is that God accepted that. What what I see here is Abel is concentrating on doing the right thing in God's eyes and letting God handle the results. Now, let's look at this for a minute. Abel does the right thing, and by, by this verse, he is accepted by God. But he is killed by man. Why does Cain do that? Cain is jealous. He can't believe that God wouldn't take his way over Abel's way. Doing the right thing, doing that which is right, and then allowing the results to be as they are. Young people, youth, we, we all stand, and, and every age for that matter. I mean, I would love to, to, I love to preach to the youth again. This is so huge for where you're going to go in your life and who you are going to become. Choose the road that says, I am going to do that which God says is right to be accepted by God, even though it may cause the world or the Cain's in life to look upon you, be jealous of you, hate you, disagree profoundly with your stance or your position in life, but you take it anyways, and you do it. God also says to Cain, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. It desires to pounce. You know what the picture is here? The picture is sin. If you do not do what God says is right, sin is just waiting. Put his arm around your shoulder. Walk with me. Walk with me this way. It becomes a slippery slope. It becomes a snowball uh, experience where you start gathering speed in sin. It multiplies itself in you. It's a joy for sin to grab you by the shoulder and say, walk this way with me. I've got many things over here that doesn't have anything to do with God, with that that is right and the correct way to go. And is, is this ever a, a little experience for me when I was a kid, uh, probably 13 or 14, a group of us kids, we all went to church. Not many of us liked going to church. I was one of them. I didn't like going to church. And we would talk about church every now and, you know, talk about church. And then all of a sudden one of my friends, to this day he's a he's, uh, one of the guys that's had the biggest influence in my life, but one of these guys, one of my friends, decided that he was going to get serious with God. And I was mad at him. Destroyed my fun, shall we say. It, it destroyed my, my path. I was on the wrong path. But God, through his Holy Spirit and through that friend and another friend's, helped me get to the spot where I said, "No." Nope. I can see that I need to do that which is right in the eyes of God. Cain, the world, does not like the fact that there is a right way laid out by God. Doesn't like it. That's where we're at. There's the fork in the road. Here we sit, young people and everybody else, because I think it applies to all of us at various times in our lives. Where do you go from here? What is right? What's the right answer to all of these questions, all of these problems that we have in the world? I can't help you answer them. Until we talk about one thing first. And this is, this is the one thing that I want to leave you with this morning. What is right? What is right? What does God want from us? And young people, again, it's the number one thing in your life. Who am I? What do I have to offer this world Which direction am I going to go in in my life? Who am I going to become? I want to show you a place to start. And for anybody else who wants to listen and hear. What is right? So from the time of Genesis chapter 4, time goes on. And many generations come and go. And during that time, men and women are born and humanity expands. There are many experiences, there are many genealogies if you read scripture. And if you read, I'd like to read this morning between Genesis 4 and Genesis 17, 13 chapters, but we don't have time. So let's just talk quickly about it. During that time, God communicates with several people, with, with men and, and women, and I'm sure more that's even in, contained in Scripture. But in Genesis chapter 17, between Genesis 4 and Genesis 17 is the first time, Genesis chapter 17, that I see God communicating with one man's heart in a way that tells him who God wants him to be and how to do and what to do that is right so if you want to turn with me to genesis chapter 17 there's a young man or a, actually he's he's old at this time there is an older man whose name is abram when abram was 99 years old the lord appeared to him and said i am god almighty So this is the author of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 3, and Genesis 4, and all the rest of it. This is God Almighty that's talking to Abram. And you know what he says? This is the right thing to do. This is right. Walk before me and be blameless. Young people, and anybody else who wants to listen, this is the spot where you need to come to your knees and say, I want to do that. I want to go that way with my life. I want to walk before God and be blameless. Now, there's a couple other characters before then in Scripture. Enoch, you know what it says about Enoch? Enoch walked. With God, Noah. Do you know what it says about Noah? Noah was blameless and he walked with God. These are two great heroes of the Bible. So the, the idea of walking with God was attained and achieved in those lives. And I believe that it started out with a conversation with God where God said, Walk before me. I came upon an interesting quote uh, in a commentary, and I'm going to read it for you this morning. What is walking before God? Living an active life spent in continual consciousness of being naked and open before the eyes of him whom we have to give an account. This is where we need to start living our lives. This is where it is. It also talks about being blameless. And I'm sorry, this is like a sermon in itself, being blameless. But I want to go back to Abel for a quick second here. Or Cain and Abel. God says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? So what Cain and Abel are supposed to do is concentrate on doing that which is right and letting God handle the results. Look at, look at Abram. Look at Abram, who would become Abraham, the father of many nations. Walk before me and be blameless. Abraham, you concentrate on walking before me, walking as if you are face-to-face with me all the time. Listen to me. Follow me. And today we have the the good fortune and and the blessing of Scripture who has all of that information in here on how to do that, how to follow through with that. And God says, if you do this, And concentrate on that. The blamelessness will follow you. Now, just as I wind up here, blameless, I will say one thing. There is a verse in Scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.13. It says this, For God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Now let's just substitute the word blame in there. Let's let's get that in there. For God made him who was blameless to take the blame for us that we might become blameless. My belief is that if we concentrate, if if we say, when I come to this fork in the road, there is a road that I take to, to... Come, come before God and say, Lord, I will walk before you. I will do this. I will concentrate on this. I will try my best. I will search the scriptures. I will live my life trying to do for the best of my ability what Abel did, that which God says is right. When we come to that spot, and we make that choice. We head down the road where, we, where God would like us to be and what we were created for in the beginning anyways. The other road that we take, the, the, the way of Cain, we wander down a, a horrible path of sin and struggle, trying to figure out who we are, what this world is all about, and we miss the boat During the worship service, Chloe read some scripture. And it was uh, from another passage in um, the book of Joshua. And it was the challenge that Joshua gave the people. And he said to them, choose now the way you will go. Are you going to follow God? Or are you going to follow the world? And then I love the passage. It says, Make a choice. Pick today. And my prayer this morning for the young people here, for the kids, and for all of us who would like to listen let's err on the side of truth. Let's err on the side of Scripture. Let's err on the side of what God says is right.